0: play really, really hard and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust. Big trust, big. trust hey, yes, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, right on sir.
0: cue. Hey, right
1: on cue. Hey, I, let me.
0: We are back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2024. My name is Jake Luke and we're ringing in the new year. First uh, first Jumbo Set of the new year. How are we doing? Uh, Spencer Nathaniel Schultz joining me on my screen.
1: Still very tired. It was a long weekend, long holiday. The holiday doldrums in full effect. And with that in mind, the Ravens get to hibernate a little bit there. Skip week 18, skip the whole song and dance of worrying and waiting and watching and commiserating and get to skip ahead to January 20th or January 21st there. So it's 2024, feels weird, forgot when you were just doing the intro there. I was like, oh, in my brain, I was like, oh, that's going to be 23. It was not. So uh, one of those classic ones. And yeah, it's funny. Steelers coming to town again, both times the Ravens get the one seed and this side of the franchise history the Ravens end up playing the Steelers in week 18 so we get to have a very fun rust versus rest conversation I know you're just ready for that one so lots of fun stuff here but yeah the Ravens have the best point differential in the NFL breaking left, records left and right Lamar Jackson MVP and hopefully this episode will be better than the, the live analysis episode after the game I did solo which just was absolute dog shit so <laughs>
0: You don't. You don't got to do yourself like that. I think people get it. You know, it was a holiday, a lot going on. You know, the rest of us couldn't have been there for you. It would have been, it pre, you know, probably would have been a little, you know, at least more jovial if we could have. Maybe we would have, uh, you know, not had the tech issue or whatever that happened at the top there. But you, you had a lot on your plate, and I, uh, I totally absolve you of uh, any wrongdoing. Can't win them all. No, you can't certainly win. can't. You, you certainly cannot. <laughs> Uh, but yeah I mean there, there there definitely still is a lot to talk about now they're gonna be off for two straight weeks to your point plenty of time to get healthy uh, but also some time uh, for that rest versus rust debate to settle in I actually uh, cut a little clip here from our guy John who said they are undecided on the topic as of yet
1: John um, being that you kind of clicked everything you you know need to do um have you made a decision on Lamar? Will, will he play in that final
0: game? I have not made a decision on any personnel yet. we got to kind of work through the injury part of it first, and that'll take us probably 24 to 48 hours to get a real handle on that. Uh, and then we'll make those decisions. Uh, we're not going to keep it a secret, Jameson. Uh, we'll let you know what we're going to do uh, once we start practicing. So it sounds like we're going to figure this out pretty quick as to what they're going to try to do. Uh, or not do this week, maybe uh, maybe play some guys, maybe sit some guys, maybe play them for a little bit, maybe not, we'll see. Uh, but obviously, I mean, we've got the connective tissue back to 2019 there. When they sat everyone, they went out there and they won that game with RG3 anyway. Uh, and then obviously they lose in that divisional round of the Titans. So, yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting uh, interesting debate here. And I think what makes it even more interesting is the wrinkle of, well, if you let the Steelers win, or, you know, not let them win, but if they do win, I think that would get them into the playoffs, and I don't know if the Bills would still need to lose or what, but there is a permutation here where the Steelers could get in over the Bills. Uh, I personally would certainly prefer that to happen. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place on this one a little bit. Where are your thoughts at with it?
1: To me, I always default to that losing even like uh, – Isaiah likely high ankle sprain is not worth the, the rust thing. And I think that Rust is a result of a lack of focus and determination and the understanding of how difficult it is to make a playoff run, win a conference, win a Super Bowl, get to a Super Bowl. And I don't think that these Ravens will have that same issue. Uh, But then I was just, you know, everybody's talking about who did what, what this, what that. There's a Reddit thread that says teams that rest their players are – 17 and whatever and you know blah 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 um so i was like you know what did tom brady always do never rested always played at least a little bit of football and football's football man i mean we talk about it a ton it, we build it into this giant thing it's a sport it's a sport you play it's a sport where injuries happen it's a sport and i don't know play some football if you want they can't ultimately and i was just talking with buddies about it earlier and like my my own little ravens group chat i have with some friends from college and stuff and Um, it was just like thinking, how cool would it be if the practice squad, not just because of the Ravens this year, but for all 32 NFL teams, if you could have your whole practice squad come up in week 18 or something like that for these kind of situations, because how many teams are still involved in a win or go home scenario? It's like what, six, seven. So it'd be cool to be able to have a lot of those year long practice squad guys come up because, uh, in the Ravens scenario, this would help them of course, and be to their biased advantage in the sense of if they could do something like that, it would change from them able able to have, what, six inactive players. So guys are going to have to play, like, I don't know, Justice Hill is probably going to have to play a bit. Like, one of the five starting offensive linemen is going to have to play a bit. Charlie Kohler, who's tight end two, going to have to play a bit at a minimum. Like, Bateman, Aguilar, somebody, like, Tylan Watt, those guys are going to have to play. Geno Stone, Worley, guys that get on the field or are one kind of injury away from getting on the field are going to have to play this entire game. So um, just, they're going to play anyway. And I know there's supposed to be poor weather. And, and I was, I've always tried to look it up. A lot of websites claim there's a higher rate of injury in the rain. I, I don't know about that. I don't know. I can't find any scientific data to back that up. It makes sense. So maybe it is the case, but just couldn't find anything to really say yes, definitively there's a higher rate of injury in the rain. Uh, kind of slows guys down, slows things down, slops things up a little bit, prevents as many high-speed collisions from occurring. And, hey, if you get non-contact injuries, it's probably because you have bad biomechanics and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, football is football. Aaron Rodgers, the, the wise one, weighs in and says he thinks that the rest versus rust thing is stupid. Just rest, guys. Let him get healthy. And I do ultimately think that at the end of the day, like I said, if you aren't going to focus And go practice the way that you need to and have the attention to detail that I always will come back to Ed Reed talking about, you know, pick the towels up off the floor on your way out of the locker room. If you don't have that level of attention to detail, then you're not going to win the Super Bowl anyway. So I don't know. I I think it's a little bit – I really liked what Aaron Rodgers said about it on the Pat McAfee show a lot. He was like, it's just a media talking point. It's a win-win for the media because either somebody gets hurt and you can have a huge clickbait fest saying – You know what the hell is the coach doing playing this player now they're hurt or if you come out slow in the divisional round then it's why the hell didn't they play these guys so it's it's a lose lose it's a win win however you want to put it I don't think there is a right or a wrong Um, I just know that if you have a guy that you need and he gets a high ankle sprain or you know twists something the wrong way and you miss a game there and uh, you know it, it wasn't worth it so. I like to err on the side of caution there. And guys are going to have to play anyway. Like, it's not like they're sitting 22 starters. They can sit like 10, 12 at most. Like, Ronnie Stanley, I don't think needs to play in this one. Morgan Moses, I don't think needs to play in this one. I don't think Roquan Smith needs to play. He loves to talk about playing on concrete and grass and, you know, on the airplane hangar and wherever else. But he's been banged up. He has a shoulder brace on. Patrick Queen clearly has shoulder issues. So, Rest those guys. Let them get a little snap, a couple snaps in. I don't. is and this whole narrative of the oh the Steelers are gonna hurt them. Whatever, whatever. Steelers aren't the big bad Steelers anymore. Some plotting, stupid team that you know is fighting for mediocrity as usual. So whatever. Uh, but I don't know. If you want to look at an expert and a really the, if the there's one player that I know Lamar Jackson personally admires, likes a lot, and wants to model things after. It also happens to be the guy who's won seven Super Bowls and Tom Brady. And like I said, he always played.
0: Yeah, I uh, I could definitely see both sides of it. I am firmly on camp rest. Just let these guys sit sit this game out. Like To your point, it's not going to be all of them. Certainly, I would prefer they just kind of sit Jackson for this one. But like, I would definitely, and I think he already knows this based upon what's already happened to him in his career. But if I were Harbaugh, I would sit those guys down and say, like, hey, we, you know, if I'm going to rest you here, we got to stay locked in. You got to be in the building every day for the full amount of time, maybe a little extra. We're going to go over film. We're going to take reps out on the field. We're going to, you know, as much as we can. And we're going to stay on top of this shit because like, this is a stupid comparison to make, but I sat down at my desk today after not working for like, you know, I I worked one day in like 10 days and like, and people were, I saw people joking about it on Twitter. Like, Oh, I can't even remember my work password. And I had like kind of similar thoughts like, Oh yeah. What do I, where is this? Where does that go? It's like, there is an inherent muscle. You are
1: not locked in. You are not locked
0: in. Exactly. Yeah. Not locked in. And there's an inherent muscle memory that like when you're on a roll with something, it definitely affects your performance uh, and whatever it might be. And so I think, you know, there's a case to be made that, it could help them to go out there and get some reps, but if they're doing that, treat it like a second preseason game, I think. You just give it a couple drives, see if you can keep some good momentum going, get the game off to a good start, and then let Huntley go in there, close that thing out. Maybe even let Malik Cunningham take a couple snaps. I don't know. Let's get weird with it. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm firmly in camp team rest. I definitely wanna wanna put my take out there. But I do, you know, we've will, you know, we've seen it happen before. And I think this team is very different. I think it shows in their in their performance, obviously, in the way that they've, uh, and we'll get into this obviously, but in the way they've kind of answered the bell down the stretch here, and I think it also shows uh, in the way that they speak to the media at times.
1: You clinched the number one seed back in 2019. Yeah. Does it feel any different today? Clinching it, this you know how you did it compared to, to when you clinched it in 2019 at
0: all? Uh, the only difference is I'm older. <laughs> that's the only difference, and I'm um, different guys who's a part of this team now.
1: So that's the only difference.
0: So Lamar Jackson, pretty nonchalant about getting the number one seed. He doesn't seem, you know, I wouldn't say he seems overly fired up for it, but I think that's in a good way. And it does seem like he, you know, he says the only difference is that I'm older, but I think that, you know, a couple of years of extra experience, it reflects in the way that he speaks to the media, it reflects in uh, the way that he conducts himself on the sidelines. It's not that it was ever a bad thing, but it's, it's much less youthful energy and it's a lot more. Uh, kind of the, I wouldn't say grizzled veteran, but he's definitely a veteran now. Um, and it's showing through. And that maturity, I think, is really what, and it, it, again, not to say that he was immature back in the day, but there, there's an added level of it too. He was young. Too. He was young. He was young, exactly. And there, there's an added level of uh, added layer of maturity here that makes me more confident that taking the rest route is going to be okay this time.
1: I agree. And it's funny. He sums it up by saying, I'm older, but Exactly. You've had those experiences that you're shaped by losing to the Bills in the divisional round with a ball flying over your head and throwing a pick six, rushing and dragging. The Titans did go provide that experience. You have not played in a playoff game uh, in a little while there. You have missed time around this time. So that means don't take it for granted, right? Doesn't I'm older mean let's not take this for granted? The fact that you get to skip into the divisional round and it's going to be at home and you're going to be healthier and you're going to be fresher, and you have all of this time to prepare and work and go fulfill your promise that you made. You're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. Believe that. That's what he said on draft night. And at the same time, what have they been preaching? The The classic one day at a time, one play at a time, one series at a time, one game at a time, all those things. So go stack days, get as healthy as humanly possible. The Ravens also have a late bye. So in what a, I don't know, eight week period, they get a buy, a second buy and a week where they don't have to even play effectively for guys like Jackson and probably a flowers and a Hamilton and Stanley and some of these higher paid players. They will have three ish weeks off in a two month span in the NFL. And that's a lot of time off. And that's a lot of time to take yourself seriously or to not. And with not just this game, there is another buy after that. So that that's why I think the rust part is interesting because it already is so much time off anyway. So it's already going to apply. You already have to stay locked in next week and the week after. So uh, it's, I guess, a fun exercise to talk through in this situation. It's really a condescending, arrogant conversation to get to have as a fan base. And uh, something, you know, as the Bills and the Steelers are, Fighting for their lives, and Bills fans are probably ready to throw up at the idea of missing the playoffs this year. Which, you know, who who would have thought they could win their division? They could miss the playoffs. They could be the two in.
0: seed, or they could be out of the picture.
1: That's nuts. NFL parity premiums. So with well, the Ravens fans get to have this whole Russ versus rest thing, and I just think it's the most cocky, condescending conversation you can have as a fan base. But it's uh, not in a bad way. I just think it's funny.
0: Yeah, speaking of uh, cocky and condescending, I wanted to throw uh, one last one in here that kind of touches on the overall mentality of the team as they head into, you know, not the playoffs quite yet, but they are uh, they have clinched to one seed. So I wanted to get our guy Roquan some shine.
1: Roquan, what is it about this team that from top to bottom,
0: you know, every week you come out, you're not only beating teams, you're dominating teams and the best teams in the NFL at that. What allows this team to do that?
1: I think it's just each and every person, and I try to tell the guys, look yourself in the mirror, know exactly
0: who you are, and each and every person in that locker room know exactly who they are day in and day out, and we know what's on the line. Because at the end of the day, I try to shift the mindset knowing that guys are trying to
1: take your livelihood away from you when you truly think about it, what you're trying to do for your family. Um, and when you think about that man and you play to the last whistle and give everything you got – and how talented we are, I think it just starts with at the top as well and uh, building the team. So I'm just grateful to be a part of it, and I just know at the end of the day we'll go to war for each other, and if we get
0: knocked down, we're getting right back up, and you're going to have to do it over and over because that's the way we're built. And that's just kind of goes to the overall conversation uh, that we're having here about how mature they are, how battle-tested they seem. I mean, like Roquan Smith, I've said it all season about the guy, but like he, to me, is like the – difference in mentality on this defense, like 100%. It started with that trade for him, and it's showing in these massive games down the stretch where it, it felt like maybe in years past the defense where maybe they were a little young or inexperienced or they were cheap in certain areas. They didn't quite have the, uh, the type of star power or the type of heft from a guy that could you know carry you through these moments he seems like the exact type of guy uh that was advertised he's been uh, been absolutely amazing so it's great to hear him kind of dish on that a little bit because i feel like and I, somebody was making this point on twitter today. i think it was daniel jeremiah that the ravens are kind of built up the spine in a way that like no other franchises are really doing right now and the dividends are being paid off big time with smith with patrick queen uh it's kind of an interesting sort of dichotomy when you talk about the whole positional value thing and off-ball linebackers aren't really, aren't really that valuable, you know, in certain ways, maybe they're not, but I think uh, when you, when you're able to go get a guy like this, which was the the one counterpoint that we were making to the whole positional value thing, when they made that move, um, it, it just feels like he, he's more than the exception to the rule, I think.
1: Certainly. And you go back to, for instance, if you want to keep comparing that 2019 team, it was Judon who, very talented player, but was always a goofy guy. Always Mr. Dancy, Dancy, goofy, silly, prank, clown Jameson Hensley, all that stuff. Um, not that he's not a professional, not that he's not you know capable of doing great things, which he has done in New England of all places, but him, Marlon Humphrey, super young. He was 23. We all know what Marlon's like. Earl Thomas, who is many things and maybe a leader is part of one of those things, but The, he uh, was,
0: the, the Ravens Pro Bowl safety, Earl Thomas?
1: Oh yeah, the Ravens All-Pro safety. Uh, So he was not really dialed in in that sense either removed from Seattle comes over here, has his own issues. Uh, Who else? Brandon Williams. Sure. Chuck Clark. Sure. Marcus Peters, you know, transplant halfway through the season. LJ Fort, Josh Bynes, Wormley McPhee is what a guy that you can maybe look to there, but he's not a impact force multiplier for you. Jimmy Smith is on that team. He's much older. Tony Jefferson I uh, was hurt I believe at that point if I recall correctly so not this unit with that intensity and what you hear coming out of the the mouths of guys like Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith and Kyle Van Noy you have a Jadevian Clowney there now who feels like he's got some good perspective and then you know Marlon Humphrey has grown into a little bit more of a leader I'd say at this point definitely while he still has his antics things like that and and this is all superfluous kind of stuff but man, uh, this team is definitely different. This defense is definitely different. And that 2019 loss changed them. They reconfigured their defense because of that game, because of what Derrick Henry did. And now we see a much, much different result. So uh, we can talk about the fan side of it, I guess. But schematically, I mean, they, they just wrecked Shanahan and his disciples like consecutively. And they are doing it with an edge that is not like this era of football. This is a throwback type of defense, even when they have guys like Kyle Hamilton who in the second half probably is the like, if there was a, if there was half season awards, he, he might be the defensive player of the year, or defensive you know MVP of the second half of the football season. So uh, the talent is there. The hunger is there. And the intensity of Roquan Smith does provide that leadership. And then even going to Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson says I'm older. He wasn't a leader then necessarily. Now we hear him talking shit to Marlon Humphrey saying, what are you doing? Play better. Like coming to him seriously and saying that that wasn't what 2019 Lamar Jackson was doing. So uh, that hopefully that pain and scar tissue, like I've talked about that is accumulated that started with that and really carried through that 2022 season last year, Lamar Jackson's injuries and contract and all that stuff is what leads most teams to, either persevere or wilt and to return to the pinnacle, get the one seed. I, I, you know, would have to trust externally that this team will stay locked in and to your point, Roquan Smith, why did they pay him a hundred million dollars? Well, because he's damn good at football, but beyond that, he is that exact leader that they have missed since Ray Lewis.
0: Yep. No doubt. Okay. I guess that is enough overall stuff. You want to uh, crack into the notebook a little bit?
1: Yeah, I haven't had a chance, was, was dealing with the death in the family, unfortunately. I haven't had a chance to go back through film, but I have re-watched highlights and re some of the broadcast and tape. Uh, the one thing that has stuck out to me, and I saw Derek Clausen, who I always reference on here, does great work at QB Class on Twitter, K-L-A-S-S, uh, brought up that the Ravens have just murdered Shanahan's offenses, being the Dolphins, being the 49ers. Uh, the Rams did have a little bit more success, but... Cover six was what they changed to a lot more after that Rams game. The 49ers and the Dolphins, they throw almost 30% of their coverage snaps in cover six. Cover six is widely known as quarter, quarter, half. Some coaches might call cover six man two, different things, but it's quarter, quarter, half universally where you play cover two on one side of the field and you play cover four on the other side of the field, hence cover six. So... The Ravens have – everybody has their own spins on it, and the thing that the Ravens have done and created so much trouble for these offenses that love to bombard the middle of the field and try and hit guys in stride is they make the half, the cover two, the half field safety, the split field safety, to the boundary, meaning to the short side of the field from where they line up, and that's where we saw the Kyle Hamilton interception – that's where we saw uh, Roquan Smith able to get able to jump from the other side and go get an interception. And what they do by putting the half to the boundary is if there's not a route, typically cover six is a you'll check and do it against trips, or you'll play. You know, half of the field will become something else based on motion. But against trips, that means that there's going to be that deep half safety, and if there's not a route that occupies him because it's on the short side of the field, he can quicker jump into the middle of the field and basically go away from his responsibility. If there's nothing, basically something has to come from right in front of his eyes for him to lock onto that and stay. And for instance, on that George Kittle interception, it was Hamilton. And because Kittle's route in front of him was not a threat to him, he was able to stay and then drift back in and pick that ball off. And the Ravens have just put Tua and Brock Purdy into a blender, so we saw that more consistently. Uh, offenses that will be similar conceptually in the playoffs, I would think the Browns you can throw in there. Uh, they do like to, to move it around a little bit more with Flacco now, that, but still some of those same Shanahan principles. Uh, the Bills mix it up a little bit more than that. I don't know, the Chiefs I wouldn't quite throw in there. So those It's more so, I guess, these NFC teams, and then, hey, they could see the Dolphins again, but They have just so thoroughly dismantled these fast motion, middle-of-the-field, quick-throwing offenses. It is out of this world. And Roquan Smith's interception, as well as the tipped ball that he had over the middle of the field where he just reached a paw up, poked it up, and that's what allowed it to fall right into Geno Stone's lap uh, there after after Gus Edwards' fumble. I mean, how does that not remind you of Ray Lewis in the Super Bowl against the Giants, sticking his paw up there and popping that ball up? How does it not? Uh, so, what Roquan Smith did, who to me looked hobbled, especially early in the game, he did not look right. There was a Durham Smythe uh, under route, slide route, boot route, whatever you want to call it, where he rumbled down the sideline. Roquan Smith looks slow. He looks stiff. He looks sore. He's been on the injury report. He quietly definitely has a he has a shoulder injury. He started wearing a brace, and it feels like you know uh, him and Patrick Queen have been Ironmen, but both are really banged up in the shoulder right now, both of them playing over 1,000 snaps, uh, which is nuts to think about. But for them to fight through that was really, really, really cool. Uh, ultimately, the the stuff they were able to do, they have struggled a ton, and I will say I guess is a mega culpa in the, in the notebook, but I, I, on the preview I said I don't think that the 49ers and Teron Armstead, who is very good – will be able to do what the Niners did and run off that left tackle and go get that wide zone and get that cooking. And boy, oh boy, did they? I mean, Devon A-Chain was unbelievable in this game, unbelievable player. Someone I think that me and you both liked. Uh coming H Han, excuse me. Everybody was roasting me in the instant analysis. I like <laughs> saying H I like saying A chain because it reminds me of A Train from, from the Boys. The yeah. Show the boys. Yeah. So I like to say it anyway
0: okay I like that yeah no that's uh, that's good stuff there mega Couple, by the way brought to you by black-eyed and spices we needed a sponsor for it we uh, you know we needed a spot to uh, slot those guys into so brought to uh, them our good friends of course promo code exit 52 for 10% off at their website blackeyedspices.com. Uh, available at participating ace hardware locations in Fed Hill uh, I think other Baltimore locations as well and then some in the DC suburbs so uh, check out their website to find those but uh, yeah I, I kind of I was I was curious about that because obviously the Dolphins got off to a really nice start on this game in this game offensively where they're running it both different or they're running it both ways Tua is, you know, really in a rhythm. His tempo is really good. I, I thought he had, you know, was putting some nice touch passes on the ball that actually continued throughout much of the first half on going back on the rewatch. And then obviously they had on that first drive, they just marched right down and then they almost marched right down again that second time. Thankfully they had a little uh, hashtag Ben, but don't break. Uh, the Ravens defense did and that that kind of kept him in check and kept the scoreboard to ten for the Dolphins there. What how was McDonald able to tighten this thing up so much, do you think? Uh and kind of ultimately stifle them? Because it, it felt like that interception was a backbreaker, but I'm sure more went into uh you know making that happen.
1: I think that they, the Ravens have reached a point in complimentary football and Mike McDonald has enough faith in the Ravens offensive side of the ball that and to to the credit of him and we talk about these three Shanahan-esque teams McVay, Shanahan, McDaniel, Kyron Williams ran the ball really well, didn't break, well that one was a little closer but Christian McCaffrey reels off a couple of long runs, Han reels off a couple long runs and they just don't really care, they want you to win that way, they want you to run to the outside, they want you to, they, it was the ultimate strength on strength of the Ravens want you to have to throw into tight windows over their good coverage linebackers and, un, and uh, under their strong safety play. And we heard Roquan Smith talk about you know baiting that and seeing it and telling Marlon Humphrey, hey, that was my fault, all those things. But it's like they, you you talked about up the spine, which is what we've talked about a million trillion times as you shift to a more too high world, you need better linebackers. That's why the notion that Roquan Smith is not worth trading for is – absolutely lunatic, just lunatically lunacy insane to think that he's not the right player to put into that system or in any of these kind of too high systems now, these shells. But they make you have to be perfect up their incredible spine, which is Pierce, Jones, Matabike, Queen and Smith, Stone, Williams, Hamilton. All of those players are really good. No one wants to run inside. And they funnel. They make their corners play outside leverage. They play a little bit more conservatively so that you want to run in breakers. So then you have Tua trying to continuously get the ball over a really smart linebacker in Roquan Smith who just made play after play. And they just don't wilt either. And they don't panic when it doesn't work because they know it will. It feels like. Like the Dolphins were moving the ball. They were throwing over the middle. Tyreek Hill had a couple of receptions there. drive right down the field, score a touchdown, but they don't. It's it's kind of like more what I feel like I'm used to in the NFL and offense is like, all right, we just got to keep the run game going. If you're like, all right, they're stopping us early. We just got to keep at it though. Make sure Derrick Henry gets his touches. Like he'll bust a long one, things like that. It's like that, but defensively, they won't come out of what you want them to come out of. They won't. They're like, no, fine, run the ball. We don't care. We're putting up 30 points a game. You're going to make a mistake. We trust our guys to make stops. You know, If you run the ball 20 times, we'll stop you 15 of them. And because of that, it makes the offense be the one to break, makes them go out of character, out of turn, force, push, push too much. Uh, I mean, in this one, Lamar Jackson just throwing nukes on top of them, they immediately bounce back. So when you have that confidence, it is the ultimate complimentary football. When you have the confidence – as a defensive coordinator who is so creative and has so much talent. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball that you have the MVP, the now two time MVP, like that is the core foundation of complimentary football, where you say, we don't have to come out of what we want to do. You do, you have to play our game. And I don't know at this point, and I'm, I'm pumping the brakes. You know, I I don't like getting ahead of myself. I like matchups week by week. I have, ultimately pick the Ravens to win their first 16 games when we do our weekly predictions, but I'm not ready to go, you know, go anoint Bowl. And at the same time, I just don't know what the matchup is going to be that makes them come out of that. I don't know that it exists. The, The bills are the only thing I can think of because Josh Allen is such a force running the football. So to your point, who do you want to win? Maybe, maybe we do root for a Steelers win and a bills loss. Because that big, strong, fast, talented quarterback might be able to overcome that same war of attrition in terms of scheme uh, and, and go make those plays. And I see people that are like ripping on his playoff wins and stuff. Give, give Josh Allen a break. He's he's a stud. But uh, I just I don't know. I think this game was a showcase of if Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel can't get you to come out of what you do well. And beat you, I don't know who can. And that is a terrifying thing if you are Joe Flacco in the Browns or two in the Dolphins again, or, you know, what, the Colts or the rookie CJ Stroud in the, whatever. I don't know. I'm Trevor Lawrence, who they already just absolutely stomped out. So it's, it's nuts to think about. It's nuts to see. And they did it without some guys. Marlon Humphreys out. They Darby and Rocky Sin. Mallette has been, people have talked about Clowney being a value signing, which he is. If there's an unsung hero, I think at this point, you know, everybody wants to talk about, well, you know, talk about the offensive line or John Simpson. Mallette, got to show him some love, man. And, and got to show Eric Takasa some love there for knowing that he would be able to come in from that. You know, they're, he's, they're familiar with him. They've seen him a bunch of times and Steelers fans. And everyone was like, oh, he's a scrub. He's washed. Have fun. Enjoy that. He has been nothing short of a top-notch slot defender with versatility.
0: No doubt. And it kind of like the overall thing that you're talking about there. It kind of would be a nice mega megaculpa for me, too, because I thought this would be a close game. I've said pretty much all season since those first couple losses happened, I was really worried about this team's ability to step on throats. I was really worried about are they going to be able to be the class of the AFC well, they're here and they did it, and I'm happy to eat crow on this one. They absolutely deserve uh, to get all the flowers um, for doing this because it, you know it just like it, it felt like the ghosts of seasons past were kind of there again. And this game against this opponent was the perfect team to put all that to rest because I think people have a ton of PTSD or did uh, should be pretty much expunged now from that 2022 Dolphins game. This was the perfect team to say like, hey, they get off to a good start against us. You know, they go up seven nothing, and it's I think ten to seven at one point. Let's figure some things out on offense. Let's hang in there on defense. And let's just do what we've been doing and just be a bunch of fucking gangsters and go close this thing out um, by the third quarter. And they absolutely did that. And there was a moment, actually, where it's 35-19. to And, you know, they they failed a two-point conversion, so they lose a little bit of momentum. But you you go on a long drive there. Rashad Bateman making some really nice plays um, throughout this game, but on that drive, too. Uh, A couple other guys um, just picking up the slack, and then it ends with the Pat Ricard touchdown. And it's like, man, they just... They needed a drive to go and step on their throats. They couldn't do it in 2022 in that game. And they just did it again and again and again in this one. And it winds up being, you know, the 56 to 19 score. Um, and yeah, that, that was all she wrote. So yeah, I mean, just overall mega Copa, like Ravens have been making me e crow on that, uh, those concerns and those fears for a long time now. And, um, you know, obviously the attention shifts to the playoffs, but I do want to uh, give them their credit because I was, I was really, really worried there for a hot minute.
1: I think that's a little bit BS because I mean, we knew this Ravens team, we were both very confident and in unison that ahead of the season that the offense would turn it on late in the season. And we knew that they were not going to be this finished product early. It would be foolish to expect that of a new offensive coordinator and bring in new pieces. So I think that we have uh, maybe you know expected something, I think we've just expected other teams to be better and the Ravens to maybe not just be quite as thoroughly dominant, and we've been picking close games. I think I had this as like a a field goal game or two. Uh, I think I had like maybe a four-point prediction. It was like 22-18 or something, like barely covering the spread. So um, I I do think we saw the vision, but you just kind of expected them to falter at some point, and they have not Yeah. And like, I guess what I would
0: overall, it's, it's a very bird's eye view kind of thing. I just would have like thought that they would have crumbled against San Francisco or maybe in this game or maybe against one other really good team when it was happening to the Colts and it happened against the Steelers. That's where I was like, Oh fuck, we're doing this again. Like they went into Cincinnati and they got that big win. Obviously it doesn't look as impressive now, but it was a big win at the time. And it's like, man, are they really going to step on throats here and go, go be that class of the AFC? Maybe. Then all of a sudden it looked like maybe not. And then pretty much since then they've had one slip up against a good Cleveland team. And other than that, nothing to complain about. So that's you know, overall, I'm not trying to, not trying to rip on myself too hard or anything, but just say just more to give them a ton of credit because it's definitely just, just weakened. Something else out.
1: that, something else that comes to mind here is that like I, justice Hill, man, he yeah. had definitely the game of his life so far, at least in the NFL and his, of course, you go see the mesh rail route and you see the kickoff and you see the long run. And I do think Keaton Mitchell did definitely open his eyes to bounce it and push it and step on the accelerator, which is fantastic. But in pass pro man, I have that, never uh, seen a player.
0: That, that Flowers touchdown, he was exceptional and likely chipped on that one really well too. That, that was really impressive.
1: Yes, I have never seen a player Maybe in college a little bit. They don't really ask backs to be like that in college, though. Pass pro for backs is very much a pro thing, like an NFL thing, being able to do it quick, precise, bam, bam, bam. Like Alabama, a couple programs do expect you know high-level. Najee Harris was really – some of those guys. But I have never seen a player go from being a liability in games during a season to a sound pass protector the way that Justice Hill has – he is a crazy player. He is a like wild player to think about. So productive at Oklahoma State. He was a track star, blazing speed, very productive at Oklahoma State, undersized, comes into the NFL, has had these weird games like that COVID matinee Steelers game where he was popping off, uh, has had these flashes, these moments, has also fumbled the ball a ton, and tears his Achilles. Like, J.K. Dobbins and him, both, he was part of that. It was Edwards and Dobbins and Hill, all oh, pop, pop, pop. ACL, ACL, Achilles. His recovery from that ACL into what he just did is nuts. ACL, or excuse me, Achilles is a death quell for, or what is the right word, death knoll, What I can't think. No. But yeah. Nell, there we go, yeah. Death knell for backs, usually, James Robinson. Like, a lot of guys do not recover from that because backs require such fast feet. Such efficient and precise footwork. It is a very difficult surgery to an injury to overcome and how quickly he's done it and been able to grow beyond what he was before as a player. And I wrote him, I mean, earlier this year, I was like, you know what? You know me. I don't really like to rip on the players that much. They're, you know, programmed, they're they're freaking machines. But I was like, he's the worst player on the Ravens. I was like, among players that play, I said on this podcast probably 10 weeks ago, among the guys that they actually use and rely on, like he's probably the worst one, and definitely wasn't on Sunday. Definitely had a mega, mega, mega performance. And yeah, and look what they're not there.
0: doing with him that much anymore. Not a lot of read option mesh point stuff, which you know kind of eliminate the problem at the root there because of the fumbles were an issue. And I know he had one in the open field too, but I mean that was that was tough.
1: That sometimes happens. Some guys guy puts a helmet on the ball and pops it out, and they make they get paid too. But you're right about that. They've definitely done less option with him. Option does not work well with him. And so you got to credit the staff there for not just pushing him. They don't really have another option, especially once Keaton Mitchell goes down. But um, him rising back up to the occasion, he has had a very interesting career. Him and Tylen Wallace both coming out of Oklahoma State there have fought through some injuries, fought through just being buried on the depth chart, and are both making plays right now. Tylen Wallace had a sick block in this game for Justice Hill to go seal so he could go rip off that long run. Um, one of the many, many, many explosive plays the Ravens had there. They ended up with 75, 41, 35, 33, 25, 23, 20, 19, 18, and 18-yard 18 games there. Wow. So just, just monstrous. And two of those were in the fourth quarter. Uh, a lot of those coming in the first and second quarter there. So Justice Hill, I, uh, I give you my, my mega culpa in terms of a player for sure. And honestly, I'll throw another one. Tavius Robinson, I thought, was pretty rough at points earlier in this year. And he has been, to, your, to 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 that similar point you just made, they've, okay, he's not great at this, so let's not ask him to do it. Let's not do the square peg round hole thing. They're just like, hey, you're strong. You're long. We're going to have you set the edge. You'll rush the passer a little tiny bit. Just go set that edge. Just go stay home. And boy, does he do that really well. He has popping his pads, popping his hands, and the – Dolphins try to run a little reverse to the Tyreek Hill there and just stayed like a not rookie, like a not fourth-round pick developmental Canadian guy that's toolsy, just stayed and did his assignment, knocks that one down. So, so many, so many, so many good plays in this game on both sides of the football, but I was super impressed there. Um, in terms of megaculpa, I mean, to, to, I guess, scale it a little bit up like you were doing a bit. I've said it 10 times, I keep not predicting blowouts. Like I've predicted plenty in years past. And again, I just genuinely thought this Dolphins team had a little more physicality defensively to be able to keep this a little closer. And man, the, the the grand thing that makes Lamar Jackson MVP to me and makes this team so filthy right now is him managing the pocket, escaping, making plays, And even beyond that, manipulating his body in wild, like what he is doing throwing platform wise and with his feet and avoiding pressure. The only, the only word that comes to mind or person that comes to mind is like Shohei Otani. Like there is no one manipulating their body and their arm and throwing the football and escaping pressure. I have never seen a player like maybe, I don't know, Fran Tarkenton used to do shit like that, like a hundred years ago before I was born. So, I don't know. That is what makes this team so unbeatable right now to me. And again, you know, Bradley Chubb, good pass rusher. Christian Wilkins in there. They've got Van Ginkle, and he is just shucking and jiving around in the pocket, throwing the ball in insane ways. Uh, (laughs) The throw to Odell Beckham, he had both feet off the ground. Again, he does it every week. He's jump-throwing the ball.
0: He had uh, he had three of the best throws I've ever seen him make, and really seen almost any quarterback make within like five attempts in a stretch. There,
1: just nuclear, just kill like twenty kill, nuke, just destroying. And And mine is
0: it's funny because that's if we want to segue into smooth AF play of the week. I gotta go, go with the Zay, the Zay Flowers. I mean, what was he even doing there? Was he like deliberately like doing a jab or like a feint to the left and then like coming back and he's just wide open? Was that on purpose or what do you think?
1: I really want to hear someone ask about that in a press conference because to me it looked like it was a boot fake. Like he looked like he was gonna boot left, yeah. and took the first two steps opening and then just completely flipped his hips back the other way and if you hear the broadcast audio you can hear him scream "Zay!" <laughs> like you can hear Lamar's voice scream Zay as he's like throwing the football and it looked like the flow of the boot got the linebackers moved out of the window which opened Bateman up on curls double curls I've talked about the double curls they ran it's usually Zay and Bateman but instead it was that jet run motion Flowers to the backside away from the fake boot. And then he just wheels up the sideline and just whistled that ball. And he is, to me, since his contract, like what is the biggest thing that has changed about Lamar Jackson since he got paid, they have embraced and stopped trying to conform him. And they have stepped into his athleticism as a thrower of the ball. He is throwing from 900 different, Arm angles, slots, platforms, moving left, moving right, fade away, jumping. Like they're like, no, let's do more weird stuff. Not like, okay, we got to get Lamar to throw like Peyton Manning. It's like, no, he is more athletic. He can throw the ball in ways that no one else in the world can. And Mahomes is the only other guy. He's making throws that I don't think Mahomes can make. Like he, Mahomes makes some throws maybe a little more muscly kind of in that same category.
0: Mahomes was a Uh, shortstop. I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about. Lamar is more of like that point guard.
1: Yes, yes. And he is, it's like, I don't even know. He is, I don't think it's getting talked about enough. And that is where I feel like if you watch the Ravens every week and people are talking about why, why is he still people like Christian McCaffrey. Dude, he's doing stuff on the field that has never been done, especially in volume. For as before. much
0: for as much shit as Purdy gets for being in a scheme that makes it easy for him, Christian McCaffrey, like uh, fucking. This is the Shanahan Kubiak thing going back decades that, you know, Draymond, Joe, you know, whoever it is, Ruben Buster Drones. Mostert yeah. doing
1: it in Miami and Mostert's a good back, but like, yeah, like, the same thing.
0: I love CMC. He's a fucking beast, but like he, you know, he wasn't doing the shit in Carolina production wise. He was doing it, you know. He kind of was phone.
1: though, and that's what drives me crazy. He had that one monster year there. Yeah, and yeah. no one, no one wanted him to be MVP.
0: Yeah, sure. I get it. I get it. But it's like, you know, the, the Shanahan scheme for, if it's friendly to quarterbacks, it is way more friendly to running backs, so.
1: He had 2,300 yards from scrimmage, which is 300 more than he currently has mm. in Carolina in 2019. There you go. He had 20, He had 403 touches for 2,392 yards, so 2,400
0: yards. So he might get and he fucked got by third Lamar. Third
1: in Offensive Player of the Year. He might
0: get fucked by Lamar
1: twice <laughs> for MVP. That would suck. I don't think he even got. I don't think he even was close to winning MVP in 2019. No, I, I didn't. Yeah. even got votes.
0: Well, nobody else did. So.
1: I don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, true. Yeah, I'm an idiot. But uh, <laughs> he he was third for offensive player of the year. So I, I don't. I don't understand that part of it. But anyway, yeah, ridiculous. Smooth AF play of the week. Yes, just. Smooth AF. We can. We're just gonna give it to Lamar because that was the smoothest. It's
0: those three throws. I mean, he had the one to Likely that was a touchdown, and then the Beckham one. That I mean, I, I've I've probably said like four game uh, plays broke the game open. I think that was really the first big one. That's like, oh shit, okay, they came to play today, and then they scored with Gus on the next play. So.
1: If you see Odell make a play early in a game, you you know what's about to happen.
0: I and then like. you want to talk about smooth. You know he's uh, getting hit up by some TikToker in the streets of Baltimore later that night, talking about his fit and giving life advice. And you know he, him and the boys had it looked like they they hit the town that night. So I'm glad that they were able to have some fun.
1: They they certainly look like they did. And man, Lamar was smooth. Whew. That is the that is the separation. Just show. I don't even know that you can. If someone hasn't been paying attention to what they've done this year, I don't know that you can you, – you need to like do uh, clockwork orange and just make them realize that he's been making like five throws a game or five, six plays where he embarrasses an all-pro pass rusher and then converts a first down out of nothing with crappy blocking or someone you know gets beat or something is wrong and just makes – lemonade out of lemon poop. He's singing in the rain. Yes.
0: Shout out to Clockwork Orange. Singing singing in the rain.
1: Yes, very much so. So Lamar Jackson, that is our our Smooth AF Smooth Play of the Week this week, presented by SmoothAFProducts.com. Go check out their line of not his and hers, but ours grooming products. They have grooming, cleansing, all of that good stuff. Shave creams, lotions, shaving lotion and shampoo, conditioner, all that good stuff. They have some uh, eucalyptus shampoo that I had. It's my barber that, that runs that company there, and uh, I got he gave me a shampoo. First time he's ever given me a shampoo. He mm. the eucalyptus shampoo there, and it was lovely. Very similar to tea tree oil, a little less uh, burning and intense and drying.
0: A little less uh, nicotine-y.
1: Yeah, so go check them out at smoothafproducts.com.
0: Love it. What do we got for... Uh... Johnny Crab Cake of the Week, presented by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Hmm. I mean, there's an obvious one for me. I, I would go be... go for it then. Nothing's jumping into my mind. Our guy who's had a good year, diminished different role, but a good year, and it, it was capped off by a touchdown. Through the air, Patrick Ricard. Finally, finally getting in the paint this year. It was great to see. And that, like I said, that was the uh that was the touchdown. It was like, oh. They had a question asked and they answered the bell again. It was, they were up by 16. They needed a drive to, uh, score a touchdown and kind of, uh, eliminate the thousand yard stare PTSD from 2022 from our, uh, our brains. They go and do it. And of course it's our guy, project Pat one handed snag, like you were saying there. Uh, and he just seems so fired up and he's been, he's had a great attitude all year. He's tweeting out. I love the at Ravens after wins and just, you know, always been a, a great guy and, uh, a good friend to the fan base. So, uh, good to see him, uh, um, just go and air Pat on us and getting that TD.
1: Baltimore Ravens legend. Yeah. Pat Ricard. Baltimore Ravens legend. Yeah. And Pat Ricard is the best fullback in Ravens history, which is illustrious. There's yeah. an illustrious history of fullbacks here. So I love that one. I didn't even think of that. And I'll, I'll I'm just going to rock with that one with you because man, oh man. And they, they had him at guard and training camp and Munkin was talking all this crazy stuff like, oh, we're, we're using lighter personnel they're throwing the ball out of 22 and 12 and all that stuff. 21. They're, they're using such heavy personnel all the time. So, uh, I I mean, speaking of, speaking of
0: which, what about uh number 88 there? Chaz Kohler getting into the end zone too.
1: He did. And good for him, dude. And I honestly, I was having this weird thought. This is my own little fan fiction. I always make fun of people for fan fiction, but I just imagine that like Charlie Kohler has really nice parents and they're like, all right, honey, like how's practice going? You know? And it was just like, in his head, he's probably like, "God, Likely is going crazy." They were both drafted in the fourth first, fourth round. Kohler was drafted first. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was the first. Yeah, he was drafted t- like twenty picks earlier, and then he gets hurt. Likely steps in last year for Andrews because Kohler's behind and hurt and all this stuff. Likely is just propelled, and he's probably in his head. Like, I'm sure he's happy for his guy and all that stuff, but he probably says to his parents, "Like, it should have been me, not him." Yeah, like ha- has to have a little bit of that in his head, but. Likely has been insane and to see Kohler starting to step up is just a testament to that fourth round, which has produced, you know, Falele is getting out there. They're using him. He hasn't been a total bust I'd say, maybe not quite what I expected him to be at this point, but, uh, Jordan Stout, one of the best young punters in football, all these guys they are trotting out, out of that fourth round that have been productive. And yeah, Chaz Kohler, Pat Ricard, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown,
0: Melvin We're Gordon punking. get Melvin Gordon is punking you then that's that's a rough day at the office. Sorry to sorry to the Dolphins and sorry to our guy Joe Shad on Twitter who was uh incensed at that uh, that Kohler touchdown. I think the only person on earth who was. I don't think the Dolphins had an issue with it. I don't think the fans did. I haven't seen did. a
1: single other tweet about it other than them because of that 70 to 20. It's just like, brother.
0: Yeah. It's
1: how how are you not How how are you? Of all teams that could be covered, how are you calling the kettle black? Yeah, but how is this the team calling the kettle black?
0: Yeah, tough, tough, tough little disconnect there. Um, Maybe he'll, maybe he could log off for a few days and then uh, he'll, you know, he'll come back to us, but tough look.
1: Okay. It is a tough look. So I I I like that. And uh, Pat Ricard capped off those. They're eloquently done by you there. And man, one-handed catches. Johnny Crabcake for big paws, just yeah. all around. Just <laughs> How would, Were there like four
0: today or on? on yes, yeah. dude. yes. Crazy. I mean,
1: o- Odell's wasn't one handed, but I, I'm counting it as one handed, basically. Yeah. Just like folding his shins against the ground, likely. Ricard. Shout out to Scott Kaskmar as well as we're talking about Joe Chad. The, oh, yeah. Just bitching, saying that that throw from Lamar Jackson was inaccurate. Unbelievable. Just. The, I don't know what I don't know what it is. My theory is that there are a lot of people because sports betting is so popularized, especially like NFL betting in the last three years because of these apps and the legality of it now, that they are trying to influence public opinion on wagers that they have. Scott I also
0: Scott also roots for a certain team northwest of here uh, that might wear black and oh, gold, is he so. Steelers?
1: Yeah, I did not even know that. Yeah, I did not even know that. Well, all right. Good for him then. Honestly,
0: good for him. Yeah, like like if you're gonna like if you're gonna keep up that. I
1: hate T.J. Watt. I get it. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: Listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna take your hating to that level, like I'm, I, I kind of like that. It's like that that Twitter meme going around the hater building clocking into work today, you know, putting in a full shift. It, that's what's our our guy Scott's doing. So it's all right.
1: He he certainly is so good. Good for you, Scott. I take back you know any any other negative thoughts I had about you. I appreciate that. We need that. That that's needed in the world.
0: Yep, absolutely. So yeah, I mean that's uh I think that's all we got as far as segments go. We can we can close it out here. Um, obviously, uh, just a, a a resplendent scene. I'm sure you had a ton of fun at the stadium. Um, Todd Monken walking down to the sideline, jacked, just walking around hugging guys. John Harbaugh doing the Ted Lasso dance in the locker room, smearing blood on his forehead. Like would we have thought? <laughs> 8 weeks ago would we have thought we'd be standing here right now with John Harbaugh smearing blood on his head in the in the locker room after the Ravens locked up the one seed with Todd Monken dancing with the guys on the the sideline. It, you know, what a what a season this has been. Tremendous I was imagining
1: season. you were hitting a move very similar to John Harbaugh at the reception you were at.
0: Uh yeah, there was some dancing done. Let's just say that. I might have done an ice luge fireball. I you know, drank about 11 Heineken's and uh yeah, just had a, a great night, a great New Year's Eve.
1: Heineken's an elite wedding beer.
0: It is, yeah. I, I was kind of surprised by it, a little taken aback. They usually go for something lighter, but uh, I've always liked Heineken. It was kind of the first beer that I really sort of got into. So, yeah, enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, Heineken fits your vibe. Yeah. The branding, all of it, kind of fits your aesthetic, I feel like.
0: Yeah, been to Holland before. You know, it's one of the – yeah, I guess now two countries I've I've been to outside of the U.S., so I, I broke that streak earlier this year, obviously. but
1: There you go. Uh, that was unbelievable. The blood smearing was – unbelievable by John Harbaugh just John and Jim just the Harbaugh's week is 500 out of 10.
0: Who's got it better than us
1: including Jack and Jill or what is Jackie and I think it's
0: Jackie I think it's Jack and Jackie
1: Jack and Jackie yeah there we go Jack Jackie John and Jim are just having Ingrid's in there whatever Tom Crean is
0: it probably in the mix
1: Tom Crean's just smearing blood like at, at his house. They're just having a blast. So shout out to the Harbaugh's. The Harbaugh family gets a, a Johnny Crab Cake of the Week as well. While we're at
0: it, yeah, you have to. I, I couldn't leave the show without bringing up that locker room scene. One of the one of the uh, one of the more fun ones that I've seen. Beckham saying this is the best team that he's ever played on, and you know, uh, real what a point. fever
1: dream that was. Yeah, if that, that felt surreal, very surreal. Entire locker room environment. It's surreal game. I think surreal is the best word to use to describe that game. The Dolphins like played okay.
0: Yeah. I got
1: boat raced. Yeah. I, I don't It was very peculiar.
0: Yep. That's, that's, that's the Ravens. They, they've had a lot of questions asked of them. Um, Some of which by their own fan base, they have answered every single question this year. Still one more game to go in the regular season, but it is meaningless. They have, uh, you know, they, they, they've sent the ship out to sea and they, they're ready for this, uh, ready for this playoff run here. And it's going to be exciting. Uh, But, like, obviously, we still have got a couple weeks to go until then. So, appreciate you guys tuning in. In the meantime, appreciate you for joining me, my friend. I'm I'm sorry for the loss in your family there. Hope everything's going well on that front. And, uh, yeah, um, I guess I will go ahead and get us out of here. You guys can follow us on social media at Exit52Podcast. On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies. That is the number four in the middle there. Brian at Barstool Banks. Taylor is at Taylor 10. Eric is at E D I T T I 22. And we will be back at you guys later this week to preview the Steelers game. See ya. I read it there. really really hard and they execute your system and that's what it's all about yes there sir big trust. Big big trust. Trust. Big big trust. trust big trust big trust baby. dang yes sir <laughs> <laughs> right yes, on sir. cue hey right on cue hey I, let Let's me close